Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Jesse Estes. So first, let me thank you, Jesse, for joining us and sharing your story, your experiences, and all of your ideas on the state of our industry and just your, your personal story of what you experience on a day-to-day basis. Thanks for having me on, Christy. Absolutely. The pleasure is mine. I'm very excited. You are my first brand ambassador, which I'll be honest, that was like a dream job title for me because I was like, I've seen brand ambassadors, I've seen their jobs and I know what they do. And oh my God, it looks like an amazing gig. Like getting out to like shake the hands and kiss the babies and make drinks and just have have a great time engaging people. So I'm I'm super excited to get to speak to you and learn about your story. It is it is an absolutely amazing job, as you said. It is really a dream job, and um, I'm honored to be your first uh, guest brand ambassador on the show. Yeah. Well, you're also my first international guest since you live in London, right? I do. London's been home for about 12 years now. So this is uh, this is my home. You can yeah. tell from my accent. I've kept uh, I've kept some of my American accent, but I've actually been in Europe for 25. Yeah. Oh 25 gosh. years now. So most of wow. my life. So where did you grow up? I grew up in Paris, in France, as you okay. can tell from my extremely strong French accent coming yeah, through. Yeah, it's very strong. It's <laughs> overpowering. <laughs> um, so I lived there and in the suburbs of Paris and um, grew up, you know, speaking American English, as, as you can tell, and uh, fluent French. And so, you know, kind of growing up uh, multinationally, multilingually, yeah. multiculturally was a very uh, enriching experience, uh, to say the least, for me. So explain to me, let's, let's just, you know, before we even dive into the questions, I'm just very curious, how does one grow up in Paris? Are you, like, are your parents, are, are they expats? Are they nationals? Like what? Yeah, so my, actually both my parents are American, um, but they happen to both be living in Europe. I think they met in Holland and moved to uh, France. And so that's where me and my brothers grew up, uh, the first part of our lives anyway. And uh, my dad, uh, as we'll get into, my dad was in the hospitality uh, industry and had bars and restaurants across Europe. But Paris was at that time where he wanted to be uh, centered for his business and for his personal life. I do love Paris. I love Paris. Fantastic city. Paris is a beautiful city. I, I love visiting. I get to go back about once or twice a year. Um, but I don't think I'd ever live there again. It's absolutely beautiful to visit. It can be a very um, difficult place to live, mainly because yeah. of the Parisians who live there. <laughs> yeah. But there, I, I found, like in my travels in France, I've found that the Parisians are more hospitable and open to tourism and, and tourists that will try to gut their way through the language and butcher it than maybe the people in smaller towns. I've had better experiences in Paris than I have in Metz. And Metz is a very small town. <laughs> sure. I mean, I, when I hear stuff like that, and I do hear that sometimes, it makes me really happy as a kind of Parisian by birth to hear that uh, my, my fellow country people are not as rude as they used to be. So that's, that's great to hear. Yeah, no, no. I love, uh, I, didn't, I didn't jump on that whole Freedom Fries thing. <laughs> um, yeah, they were still French fries to me. Always will be. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's an amazing country. Great experiences. Absolutely love it. And obviously, Allison ha- is in love with the country as well with Bren, you know, so I think it's really, really cool that y'all are like working together in the same company. But um, so yeah, let's I, I really want to hear more which is a question I always ask people, like, tell me about you. What is your thing? What makes you you? So I'll, I'll just do my kind of uh, general introduction, because I know you, you introduced me as a brand ambassador, but I mm-hmm. um, work 
for Tequila Ocho as the global brand ambassador. Uh, mm -hmm. My background is in hospitality, mainly working behind the bar and managing bars. Um, and I've had this role full time for about three and a half years now. So um, okay. and Ocho is a family business. And we're now um, obviously part of the Samson and Surrey family of brands, which include Bren, beautiful French whiskey that you just mentioned from Allison mm -hmm. Park. Few. I know you had uh, Paul let go on uh, just recently, just this week, I think. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, beautiful family of products um, that we get to join just recently. And um, yeah, so that's really my background hospitality. As I said, living most of my life in Europe and uh, written a couple of books along the way. I regularly write articles for, for magazines and uh kind of trade publications so um yeah this is pretty much i i eat drink and breathe uh in some senses very literally uh tequila and agave mm -hmm. so that's kind of um you know that's that sums me up generally that, well that's that's awesome i mean i do love tequila i'm a big big tequila fan we're gonna um, we're gonna get along just fine christy i think i i think so i think we should be friends for sure <laughs> And one day I might meet you. Um, but so where, how, how did this happen? Like, how did you get into this industry in the first place and then create a career path out of it? So, I mean, in terms of the tequila world, I was kind of born into that. So my dad has worked with tequila for, gosh, more than 45 years now, I think. Um, oh, my gosh. So yeah, so kind of he's he's credited with bringing the first bottles of 100% agave tequila to Europe way back, uh, you know, in the 70s and um, really spreading Mexican culture, uh, the culture of drinking and, and eating from Mexico around Europe, starting in the 70s and, and really going through this, the 80s and 90s um, when there really wasn't a whole lot of awareness around tequila, mezcal, Mexican food in these European markets. So God, there still isn't. <laughs> we lived in right, Germany yeah. for several years and we would go to the Mexican restaurant and they serve Spanish food. And I'm like, you guys do realize that Spain and Mexico are very different countries with really different cultures and food. Just because they speak the same language does not mean they're the same country. I, I was always shocked. I was like, oh my God, I can't get a good burrito anywhere in Europe. It's so true. It's so true. And, and, you know, even London, I'd say up until about 10 years ago, and my dad's had his place here for 38 years. Um, but be, besides a handful of places, you really couldn't get Mexican food or decent Mexican food here. Now it's exploded. Yeah. You know, there's lots of great places. If you do go back to Germany, there's a great place in Berlin called La Lucha. And that is really, really good food. But again, in Germany, I would say I agree with you. Really few and far between uh, decent Mexican restaurants there. Yeah, I think our, our first really solid Mexican food living there for years was in the Czech Republic. Like we literally had to leave the country and we found this place called Revolution. Uh, I think it was Revolution Burrito or something like that. And it was like right on the like the main street. And I, I'm forgetting the name because this was a long time ago. But we were right in the heart of um, the capital city and we found this burrito joint. And it was like, oh, my God, it's the first Mexican food we've had in all these years that we've lived here. So, <laughs> was, so you must have been so excited finding that. Oh, my God, we were so excited. I think we ate three meals there in like four days. <laughs> and Chrissy, you said you were li living somewhere near the Czech Republic or, or somewhere in Europe? Well, no, we were in we were in Stuttgart, Germany. Oh, okay, right, right, right. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm a, I'm a military spouse. He's retired now, but yeah, we did a we did a stint in Europe, which was awesome. Um, but yeah, there was like you couldn't find a really solid american burger you couldn't find solid mexican food in germany yeah back you know, in I, early 2000s it's not something they're famous for you know the germans the excellent food it's just you know i think you've got to go a little bit further west for that in europe oh yeah completely completely but that's really really interesting i love it so does your dad run a mexican restaurant then 
So we've now divested from the from his his restaurant uh, group. So it's p- pretty much all sold uh, within the last couple of years. And, um, you know, through this journey, through this process of really growing Mexican culture in Europe, the CNIT, the National Tequila Industry Chamber, gave him the official title of Tequila Ambassador from Mexico to the European Union. Okay. So he's very proud of to have this title still today. And so that's very yeah, much that's huge. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, it's fun. It's they even give him business cards that you know that's probably the best conversation starter at a at a cocktail party, right? You know, what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah. I'm I'm the official tequila ambassador to Europe. So it's 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 a it's a great title, and he's very grateful and honored to to have been given that. And he still does it. Yeah, he's still the official tequila ambassador for Europe. So you know, he travels a little bit less now, um, but he's still very much involved in pushing the tequila as a category as much as he's able. I mean, that's something that's very important to him and to us as a family. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. So how, how did you find this path? So I, through my dad, I got to know a couple of guys, uh, Henry uh, Besant, who's unfortunately no longer with us uh, and his partner, his then partner, Dre Masso, uh, business partner who had a, a company called Worldwide Cocktail Club, which was a consultancy company and, and they ran bars. They actually owned their own bar at that time. Um, and they were real front runners in terms of what's going on now in the industry. You know, this is, you mentioned brand ambassadors. This is pretty much before, you know, pre-brand ambassadors and things like that. So they were doing some really cool things and I got to work with them uh, and eventually just kind of, you know, the first time I worked in a bar as a bar back, I just thought to myself, I was below drinking age in, in the U.S. I was 18 over here. and um, Totally legal over there. <laughs> totally legal here. I mean, you know what I found out recently? Yeah. I was doing a quiz. I don't know why I was doing this quiz. It was about, oh, it was about drinking, but it was about British drinking. And what, what is the legal uh, minimum age for um, drinking at home with your parents? And it was like 16... Well, apparently it's five years old, but I don't know who's giving, you know, drams of whiskey to their toddlers. I guess you give them a little, just a little taste. But uh, I was surprised. Five years old. Yeah. Um, wow. So, yeah. yeah. I love that that's actually on the books <laughs> as a law. Yeah. So I never knew that. I learned that last <laughs> week. Anyway, so five if you've got a five-year-old kid and you live in the UK, you can give them booze at home legally. As it should be, though, because then you're not creating that taboo that as Americans, we grow up with this taboo that kids can't ever consume anything. It's so awful. We demonize it as a society, but yet it provides a lot of jobs and a lot of income and a lot of revenue. Yeah, and a lot, um, and a lot of pleasure it if, it's used, if it's used yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why kids go crazy in college because they're finally allowed to make their own decisions and they go nuts because they haven't been properly educated. They haven't learned to respect the category as a whole and they don't understand what it can do to them if they overconsume. Yeah, that's a good point. You and, know? I th- and I think growing up with, we didn't get to drink, drink, but we had a little taste of wine with, with dinner. And I think that, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. That does help uh, just get you used to drinking and it, it makes it less of a big yeah. deal yeah yeah it's not just always mommy's juice pack yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny um so this is this is fascinating i'm i'm loving this and i'm i'm gonna bounce around in my questions because i feel like what the information you're providing begs a lot more questions because i'm getting to know you so i'm i I'm hoping that's okay with you. Um, I've got I've got a bottle of tequila is, here, so I'm I'm well fueled, so I'm 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 good to go. Sweet. Well, it's six o'clock your time, right? Six. It's six thirty, <laughs> so I'm you know I'm I'm well into cocktail okay. hour, tequila hour here. You're in you're in happy hour. Yeah, I'm I'm sitting here drinking sparkling water because uh, <laughs> it's twelve thirty. Um, but if you weren't doing this what would you have chosen for a career path or what would be like, if this was never on the table, what do you think your life would look like? 
it's funny, you know, it's it's because you just mentioned to me just just before we started recording that you were, were had been a journalist previously. And that was one of the things that I would that I was considering doing is journalism or, or writing of some kind. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ironic thing is, as I mentioned, that I've ended up doing some of that. I've ended up writing articles and writing a couple of books. And so I feel like I still got to do that within this uh, job. And, it, you know, it sounds cheesy, but this is really a dream job for me. I think, you know, the only thing I would change and I am changing is finding a bit more of that balance. And I think this is a really common mm-hmm. theme in our industry. And you mentioned this, this is your yeah. first brand ambassador on the show. I think the listeners will be familiar with the role and involves a lot of travel, can be a lot of partying, a lot mm-hmm. of drinking, a lot of, you know, tons of people from, from kind of 9am to 2am just out talking oh, to people. Yeah. It's great, but it you know, I've I've come close to burnout a couple of times. So it's just about finding oh yeah. Finding more balance. Oh, yeah. And I think that's a really common uh topic in the industry. Well I've always it, I, and I, I completely that totally resonates with me because like I'll look at the career path that I've taken and I'll be like my work are like other people's thinking. Exactly. Yeah. I go to these amazing destinations. I have a blast. I meet new people. I make new friends. But I'm it, it's nonetheless exhausting because you're on your feet and you're always on, so to speak. Like you're always smiling. You're always engaging. You're always working really hard at creating an experience for others. And that is very emotionally exhausting for you as the person. Um. So there's, that's the other side of that really like awesome coin that you have in your pocket of what you get to do for a living because your friends that don't do anything like it are always jealous. They don't understand. They think it's just party, party, party all the time. And I'm like, yeah, it is like college on track <laughs> sometimes. But there's a lot of work that goes into it too. Um, and sometimes you just want to take off your shoes and just not walk for a week. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> or at least if you're a girl, <laughs> you're <Neil. laughs> maybe it's better for you. Maybe you have some really awesome Dr. Scholes with no <laughs> shoes, but you know what I'm saying? Um, but so you would have probably followed a path to some kind of writing, whether creative writing or um, news storytelling, something along those lines. You know, that's that's kind of what I wanted as a, what I thought I wanted to do as a teenager. I mean, I had this this great um, leg up in terms of languages. So I you know, that was kind of an option for me yeah. too, uh, kind of a realistic option. So, yeah, I don't know. But I just, you know, working in a bar for the first time at 18, I just thought, you know, my 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 first thought, which this wore off after a couple of years, but it did last a couple of years. I just thought how am I getting paid for this? This is crazy. Like, this is so much fun. Yeah, of course it's work. You know, it's, it's hard work, but it's so much fun. Um, You know, I'm basically getting paid to hang out at my favorite bar type of thing, of course, behind the bar and working, but I just loved it. And I loved the teams I was with. Um, So that was really kind of what really got me on that track pretty quickly. Um, and again, I haven't really, yeah. I haven't really looked back actually till you asked me that question of what I might be doing otherwise. Well, and see, and that's the fun question because this is often a job that people find themselves in, but it wasn't their charted course that they had picked for themselves and they're happy about it. And that is the most interesting thing because when you grow up with a career path in mind and then it doesn't happen, Often people are disappointed, like, this isn't what I wanted to do. This is not where I saw myself. But in our industry, you find the inverse. Most often, um, people are like, yeah, this is not what I had planned. But oh my God, I'm so glad my plans didn't work. I can't imagine being happier. And it's funny because one of my bartending jobs in college I got because I was literally there as a customer all the time. And I was like, okay, I've done the world world beer tour twice now. Can I just work here? Because I'm spending all my tips here anyway. And I'm bartending somewhere else. It's not nearly this fun. I'm over that. I want to work here. And they were like, yeah. And I'm like, sweet. 
I literally got a job by sitting in a bar. That's drinking. amazing. <laughs> what I, you know, in my in my head, I, I was just picturing you there. You know, you probably so familiar with the place, and a bartender doesn't show up for their shift, and they say, "Hey, Christy, you're up. Come on. You know, you yeah, know all the drinks here. You're good to go." exactly exactly well it was a beer focused bar too and they were like you're short you're gonna have trouble reaching the third level of taps and I'm like yeah but it was also the 90s and all of my sneakers were platform sneakers and I'm like I got the shoes for this I can make it work I'm like (laughs) right it's so random but you never see like I had planned on being a, a worldwide correspondent for like CNN or something or taking the pictures as a camera person or videographer and telling the stories that way. But I wasn't any good at taking the pictures. So when we moved to Germany and there were no jobs in uh, televised media, I had to become a newspaper reporter, which was fine because I loved writing. But it was like one of those things where what you plan didn't happen, but you're really grateful for what did. And that's kind of been my story as a career. And so I love talking to people about how their plans didn't work out and they're really glad they didn't. Because I think that's really a positive thing to say about our industry because everybody is really passionate and excited about what they do for a living. Well, I think that's a really good point about what you said about, you know, usually in, in other professions and in other industries that say, if someone, like you said, if someone says, you know, oh, I this wasn't my career path. This wasn't what I intended. It's usually with kind of a a disappointed tone. Whereas with, with our friends and colleagues, it's really, you know, a place of gratitude. And what, you know, I think what binds this community, this industry or community together is really the people involved. And that's certainly what attracted me to it Mm -hmm. in the beginning and what's kept me in it is you just meet Mm -hmm. the best people. It really attracts a unique type of person not everyone can can do this um and and... no wallflowers need (laughs) not apply (laughs) you definitely have to be comfortable talking to strangers and you have to be be willing to put yourself out there and smile at someone when they piss you off and that is also not easy and it's not easy no it's not easy for everyone (laughs) anyone but but we but we have to in our yeah, you got to be able yeah. to take some shit in our uh, in our industry. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm wondering, and this is a perfect segue, I'm wondering if you have a negative experience, um, personal or professional, or a negative time frame in your memory that you somehow managed to learn so much that you turned that into a positive. Do you have an example? So I'll, I'll give you an example. It's probably not the most exciting example and one that will be pretty common for a lot of people in, in this industry. But, you know, the, the, the first thing that comes to mind is this. I'm going to take this on, take us on a little philosophical detour here, um, which is, you know, negative experience. What I'm, what I'm trying to reframe, you know, in the last couple of years and, and currently and going forward is to reframe my thinking into this more, you know, coming from a place of equanimity or, or you could kind of from an equanimous mind, which is very much re- removing that ju- judgment of positive and negative and just experiencing things. And I actually find mm. it's, mm. it really changes my experience. It changes my outlook. So I think, you know, instead of having a negative experience and then years later, maybe reflecting on it and and seeing it in a more positive light, it's actually changing that the concept of what is a negative experience. And uh, that's, you know, that's been really Mm -hmm. interesting for me. Um, The obvious example I was going to use is, you know, closing bars to having to sell bars of ours. Um, You know, it's it's deeply saddening at that time and could be certainly could be perceived as a negative thing at that time, you know, people going unemployed from the, from the business. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I look back now at our bar that closed, two of our bars that closed a few years ago, and, um, you know, the team are actually doing great. And so, you know, we, we've kept in touch with them. And it's really, it's really heartening to see. And, you know, the GM, the bar manager had been there 20 years since the day we opened. 
And they may not have left had we not closed. And, wow. you know, Freddie, the bar manager, is in Italy, back in his hometown with his son and his wife, which is honestly a much nicer place to live with a family than, than London, in my opinion. And uh, Blake is in the Algarve in Portugal running a, a mobile bar business. Oh, it that does, does not, not suck. suck. You know, so it's, it's, <laughs> it's great. But at the same time, that had to have been really, really hard knowing that they were so loyal. They weren't leaving until they didn't have an option. And that's heart-wrenching to go through that, I'm, I'm sure, and being like, I'm sorry. It, it's over. It's not you, it's me. <laughs> it's over. That's horrible. It's really I tough. And, you know, they, it, it really is like a family. And, uh, you know, so, but we've kept that, that mm-hmm. kind of family bond with, with um, I mean, I grew up with these guys. I've known these guys since I was a kid. So, um, yeah. yeah, of course it's tough. Um, but it is, it's, it's kind of, I think, you know, to your point about the negative experience becoming more of a positive thing. Um, I think that's again, back to this point of, of equanimity is this, I think it's a Taoist story of a farmer who, um, finds, uh, his horse runs off and the village says, Ooh, bad luck. That's really, that's a shame. And he says, maybe, I don't know. The horse comes back, his horse comes back with six wild horses. And the village goes, wow, what great fortune, how lucky you are. And he goes, maybe, I don't know. And then, you know, the, the son, <laughs> one of his, the farmer's sons is uh, breaking the horses in. And the, the horse throws him off his back, son breaks his leg. The family, oh, this is really bad fortune for you. And he says, maybe, I don't know. Next week, the draft officers come in through and they take all the young men off to war, except the son who has a broken mm-hmm. leg. So it's just it's this sad. idea of, you know, we, we just don't know. I mean, it feels terrible at the time, but we just don't know how yeah. things are going to turn out. That's a, I, I love that you mentioned that. That's one, I hadn't heard that parable, but two, that's really true to life and existence as we know it. You never know what's going to happen next. And even when you're down, you don't know when you're going to be up. And when you're up, you better appreciate it because you don't know when it's coming down because that's the ebb and flow of life, right? Yeah, that's fascinating. Oh my goodness. Um, But do you have any regrets? Like do when you look back at your trajectory, is there anything where you're like, yeah, I probably shouldn't have done that or, probably shouldn't have thought that or something like that anything you would change or something that was such a learning experience that you would do uh handle the situation differently in the future if it was presented you know, I'm again just, I, i've had, probably had a couple of things that i um did regret in my personal life at the time or more close to the time that it happened but especially mm-hmm. now looking back i really have no regrets and i and i and i do mean that that sounds like i'm just saying that to kind of get 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 the easy way out of the question no it's you know everything all the mistakes i've made all the the, maybe the poor choices i've made have led me to where i am now and i'm I, i feel like i'm in a really good place especially you know all things considered with the state of the world now i'm i'm in i'm in as good a place as i can be yeah and uh i'm extremely grateful for that and so to regret any single thing that's brought me to this place doesn't make sense to me you know that i i can relate to that completely too because i feel the same way looking back on all of the multitude of mistakes that i've made in my life i don't regret any of them because each of them taught me something different either about my environment the people around me or myself and those are valuable lessons i mean that's the only way to grow I've never learned anything in my life uh-huh. when success was easy. Yep. When I hit my goal without really putting in too much effort, that didn't teach me anything. That was dumb luck. Sure. And that's the difference, right? You either have like really. Or it's just like not, <laughs> not something great. And you've learned something from it. Um, but I love that. And that's good. And saying you have no regrets is not a uh, easy way out to that question because you have to think about it. And you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah. 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 Sure. 
Um, Well, I'm, so I'm wondering, um, do you, when you think about who you are and what you do, and I'm very curious about how COVID has affected you, especially being in Europe where, you know, in the US we get all sorts of scare stories about what Europe is going through and, and with your prime minister coming down with it too, we know that this situation is not something that power, influence, or money can make you immune to. We get that, right? We understand this now. We're all human. Um, but how has it affected you personally? Oh, me personally? Well, again, this, you know, to me, I'm so grateful that that I had this kind of practice beforehand, before any of this happened, of of kind of approaching things from this place of, of equanimity, using that word again, because you know, I, not worrying of, about things that are out of my control. That To me, that doesn't help at all. And actually worry is, if we want to go there, is really poor, you know, is, is not good for our immune system. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, what I can do now is what's in my control, which is, you know, do as much as I can with work from a fixed location from home. We, I don't know, I think it's a bit different in Texas, but I haven't left the house in three, no, two and a half, two and a half oh months. Oh, my God. Um, except to, yeah, except to get groceries. So it's a little bit different scenario here. Um, but, you know, doing as much work as I can from home and, um, you know, looking after my health, be it physical health. So exercising, Mm -hmm. uh, as much as I can almost daily getting, um, you know, whatever I need for, for that kind of mental health and, and emotional health, I think it's, you know, those three things, in terms of looking after ourselves and self-care in these days is, is crucial yeah. because that's, that's all we can really um, control. Yeah. And that's and, the key word control. What can you control? Yeah. There are only so many things. Yeah. 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 yeah no, it's, it's, it's definitely different in Texas. I mean, just from New York city to Texas, there are many differences. Um, one, we have a lot of space and so we're not around each other. And we have the ability to walk into our backyards for those of us that are homeowners. And Uh that is a reprieve because like Allison has been trapped in her apartment in New York city. And I would love to live there again, but not right now. And I told her, I was like, Hey, if y'all get a second (laughs) round, you grab Clint, you grab the dog and you come and live at the Lala resort in Casitas. I'm like, seriously, the dog can play with my dog. You'll have kids around, but we have a whole spare bedroom with a private bath. <laughs> like you won't have to see us <laughs> and you can go outside, swim in the pool, barbecue, whatever. Like wow. we'll give you the space that you Cause I'm like, can you, can you get out of there? Can you get anywhere where you have some freedom and room to breathe? Because I think that being, I, I can't imagine what it's been like for you. Um, because I've been able to go to the parks or the woods behind our house or the levee or the river or whatever, and just sit alone and work. And that has been a really good solution for me because I can't work at home right now because I've got three other humans and a dog that are just (laughs) noisy all the time. And I used to have a very quiet environment and now I don't. So I can't function that way. I can't record my podcast in my house anymore because it's so loud all the time. Right. So this is like, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to go outside, go elsewhere and still be alone. Um, so I can't imagine what that struggle has been like for you to just feel that sense of this is my small space this is where i am this is where i exist right now in this little pocket of humanity it just well you know it, it's funny because as you say this i mean it, it, to me it's i had never considered you know all those things and now we actually can go out a lot more yeah. as of last week I, we can go more to the parks and things like that but really um you know i've, I've had the backyard for the last couple of months and that's I've been incredibly grateful for that because some people I think probably like Allison may not even have a, a backyard no. so I you know I can take the jump rope out and, and you know I can do exercise you know yeah. in, a, in a relatively small space but I still have the outdoor area 
And I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for that. And I think, you know, this has actually made me grateful for so many things yeah. that I took for granted before this situation. Um, and I think, I hope it's, it's making people feel that as well. Um, you know, to me, it's, it doesn't, I'm not saying to ignore all of our problems, but I think as a, as a gratitude practice, it really yeah. helps just to focus on the, on the positive things that we do have in our lives. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree with you more because it's definitely put everything into perspective for me. Like I've never spent this much time with my children. I don't know if you have kids, but I travel at least a hundred thousand miles a year. I'm always gone wow. every week. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm home. And I think when I do eventually get back on the road, when things aren't canceled anymore, it's going to be an adjustment for my kids in the other direction. Just like it was an adjustment for me to stay home, it's going to be an adjustment for them for me to leave. But I've right. been so grateful for the backyard and the pool, especially living in Houston. Oh, my God. Oh, well, you're in Houston. Oh, well, I go through Houston regularly. I usually stop there in Mexico. So hopefully when I go oh, to Mexico. Oh, I- so I- yeah, Bush. Yeah. 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 Oh, no. Big airport. Uh it's and and I I honestly I miss the travel I miss seeing my friends but at the same time I'm never going to get this time with my kids again, so yeah it's a positive, and my husband I mean, I, just I, retired so he's doing the school stuff. <laughs> well, I I mean I don't have kids but like you said it's it sounds like you know it's a real blessing amongst you know a lot of. Yeah. non non blessing things but but we may as well po- focus on those on those yeah positive things that are going on yeah it's it's all about your perspective right and if you can shift your perspective yeah things aren't awesome but there are so many things that are awesome so if you focus on the good the bad becomes uh a lot more tolerable and manageable yeah, yeah. But yeah. So, so Christy, now, now that I know you're in Houston, I've got to ask because some of my favorite bars in the world are in Houston. Ha, have you been, or do you know the bars uh, Anvil? And oh, I love and Anvil. Pastry War. It's so cool, oh right? It's such a good bar. Oh my god! I actually met a friend from grade school there years ago, and I was like, "Dude, there's this badass bar." He was in town for a conference. He works for hilton i think now he was with hard rock at the time but he was in town for a conference and i was like i'll pick you up i'm gonna take you to this awesome bar that i love it's like a total mixology bar took him there we just had a great time we hadn't seen each other since we were in grade school wow this is why facebook is awesome yeah and it was i i just love that bar and it's so funny because i never get out unless someone is literally coming to my town and they're like, I'm visiting Houston. Are you free? And I'm like, I will make it work because <laughs> we never get out of the suburbs <laughs> because, you know, we have all the things with the kids and the sports and the, you know, everything. Yeah, sure, sure. But right now we have nothing, but no one's coming to town. And I'm like, I've never been more free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, don't, I, I, don't think, I can't I don't... see my friends. <laughs> I don't think too many people will be visiting anytime too soon, but uh, hopefully yeah. in the not too distant future, because I always fly through IH and I visit uh, my friend Alba and a couple of other friends in, in yeah. Houston. So um, yeah, if, if, you know, if, if you can make a journey into the city um, and I don't know if you've been to Julep yet, but it's uh, it's beautiful, beautiful bar. I would um, love to so, go. So, so there we go. You have to tell me next time you're I'll, coming I'll to let, town. I'll let you know. I'll meet you if I'm in town. Let's hope that's this. Let's hope this kind of ends soon, because um, I've got I've got my annual conference planned for September, and I haven't canceled it because I need to see if it's viable, and I'm not going to just cancel it and postpone it for a year, or postpone it for a few months if people are able to attend. But it's just a waiting game, you know. We can't yeah. really plan too far out. And I was on, I was messaging back and forth with um a woman that operates another conference that I attend about providing content that's scheduled for August. So we'll see. Uh-huh. They don't even know if that's going to happen. Wow. Obviously. Well, yeah, time, time will tell. I mean, he, we're, we're way behind you guys here. We, we, we're going to have bars and restaurants reopen at the, at the very earliest in July. Probably people are saying more realistically, even August. So, I mean, we're, we're a wow. good couple of months behind you guys. 
But you said that some of them were open. Are they open with a percentage scale? Because Texas just went to 50%. Oh, sorry. When I said reopening, I actually, I just meant public spaces. So uh, parks and things oh, like that. Oh, so not even restaurants and bars, like not even at 25% occupancy or with no, measures? No, 0% occupancy. They can do delivery. They can do takeaway, but they can't yeah. have anyone in the premises. God, I'm so sorry. Ah, it's, well, it's, you know, it is what it is. Um, you know, yeah. luckily I've got plenty of work to keep me busy. So I've just been plugging away at home, but, uh, yeah. So, and, you know, I think a lot of people would, would, I can, I really feel for some people that are maybe extremely mm -hmm. extroverted and, and stuck alone. And, you know, it's, it's, it's oh, a God. really difficult time. I know. I know. I can't imagine living alone right now. And I'm a girl that loves my alone time, but right now I'm grateful that I don't live alone. Yeah. <laughs> I have roommates. I'm so grateful for those boys. Uh, but I'm curious, like, do you guys have it set? Because Texas, like, we have our standard practices that are set out by our governor for the state, but there's, like, individual decisions. Like, some places are choosing not to open at all. Others are following and going as much as they can. Others are completely breaking the rules and going full throttle. Right. Do you guys have that ability in the UK to, with the municipalities, like if there aren't cases, can they function or is it just carte blanche? No, just blanket. Right now it's a blanket. No. And then it okay. gets a little bit more confusing. You're going to get more, uh, we'll, we'll get a little bit political here, but you know, it's, it's the United Kingdom is, is formed of England, of course, which everyone yeah. knows, Scotland, um yeah. wales and and northern, and, and northern ireland so you know it, there's different now there's there's some dissent in the ranks of, of disagreement with what the prime minister is saying and they've yeah. you know so the different countries are kind of doing things slightly differently so obviously i live in england so this is what the rules i need to abide by um and they what they are saying as of t today is the first time i saw it on the news was actually there may be, like you said, there may be these kind of hotspots that flare up and they get kind of more of a shutdown than the rest of them going forward yeah. into the future. So I, I don't know. It's like it's like you said, I think we just have to wait and see what's going to happen. It's a really, really strange and interesting time. Yeah, it's, it's unprecedented in our lifetimes. Um, and it, it, it's so weird because, you know, like you look at Sweden where they're like, it's not safe. We're not going to mandate anything. Just be smart and be kind. And they didn't have the issues that other people had. But then I, I their numbers aren't spiking either. But they're listening. If we did that in America, no one would listen. And you know this. Yeah, I we're think, not, you know, the, the we're Nordics... like, don't take my freedom. <laughs> <laughs> It's like our mantra, right? The the nor you know the U.S. to me of anywhere I've been in my life is is the most individualistic country in the world, yes. and, and the Nordics to me are are not you know I don't mean collectivistic in the sense of of communist or something, but they are they are very socialist countries and they are very collectivist in that sense. They're also much smaller countries in population, so maybe that's more exactly. manageable. But I think that yeah. the culture, the underlying culture is very different. Like you said, it would be it, it doesn't necessarily translate. It wouldn't necessarily translate to here or to Southern Europe, certainly would be very different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, living in Germany, I mean, they just don't break the rules, period. Yeah. Germans, like the rules are the rules. They're sticklers, that's right? It. Yeah. Yeah. So I never had to worry about getting mugged when we were walking late at night. We never had to worry about getting our cars broken into. The rule is you don't take from someone if it's not yours. You don't hurt someone unless it's self-defense. And those are very simple rules and they follow them. Right? Yeah. And it's so funny because I'm like, okay, so this is where freedom and I'm using air quotes, kind of works against us culturally because people are like, eh, I don't care. I'm just going to do it. And there's not that sense in so many countries that I've visited around the world. And I've only been to like 16 or 17 countries. But they all operate so differently in that sense of 
what's yours, I respect, and I'm not going to mess with it. Right. Right, right, right. We just don't have that. Right. Culturally. And I don't know if it's because we're born of a, a, a revolutionary and rebel ideal. That could be it. That the genesis of the country as we know it today was built on completely different principles than other countries were built on for the most part. The older uh, um, and European or even global countries, I mean, they just don't break rules. And we do, we are the rule breakers, right? <laughs> That's what the revolutionary war was. We're like, screw you, <laughs> no. <laughs> I think you're right. It's that it's that cultural, and you know that that initial beginning of the history is still kind of within collective cultural memory. Whereas you know, L- London was founded two thousand, well, almost two thousand years ago. It's you know, so there's there's been a lot more time to figure out some of these things, yeah. and I, I think the U.S. is still really figuring out a lot of some some of the We're big issues. Young. Yeah, but geographically speaking, it's going to be hard to herd those cats. Right for us, right, right, as a nation, because there's we have too many different ideas. I mean, we might as well be fifty-one different countries. Yeah, which is which is kind of you know this has kind of highlighted that for me, even being an expat and and kind of looking over there, I see really different things happening in the fifty-one different states. So it's uh, it's interesting. Absolutely, it's 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 a fascinating study of human behavior and and perception of you give me a rule i'm gonna find a way to break it right <laughs> yeah the, the rebel, like which is said. hilarious um but i sorry i totally digressing didn't mean to get all political but i hope it wasn't political i think it was more societal observations sure that's a nice way to say political um but what would you want the listening audience to know about you say a stranger encounters you and you you want to create that sense of we understand each other what should they know Ooh, that's (laughs) that's a good question that's a difficult question um yeah it's meant to be difficult it's kind of my favorite question (laughs) it's hard (laughs) yeah i mean to you know to to sum up my experience now it's just you know this sense of gratitude that i am really you know i am really grateful for what i have um, grateful for the people in my life. And uh, yeah, that, that, I don't know why that just seems important to me right now, especially right now during these kind of tumultuous times. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that, you know, that I'm, that I'm grateful. That's kind of a, yeah. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I don't know where, where that came from. No that's... one ever answers that question the same way either I... because it's so personal. I can imagine. Yeah. 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 No, it's a really good answer. And honestly, all you have right now is the people that you know and trust. That's it. Right. Because everything else is unknown. It's just a a lot of variables in the sky. And you don't know which one is going to fall down and hit you on the head (laughs) at any given time. But I think it's really, that's a very positive answer. And I like that. Yeah, I think we need more. We need more positivity. Sometimes I just post photos of of cats and uh, and puppies and things on on social media because you know there's enough bad news going around as it is. You're hilarious. You know you can just turn off the news. Yeah, you know I've I've been I, I usually <laughs> never watch the news. It's I really don't like watching the news, but you know I do watch it daily now just because it is. You know there's so much changes in one day now that it's 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 pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I I really watched the news a lot. I used to. And then this happened and I kind of had to turn it off and kind of get away from it. But I I really love um BBC cuz they just don't care about our politics. Right. So they just give you information. I used to read before I had kids. I used to get foreign affairs and I would read that magazine and the economist and those were my favorite publications and it would and those the economist is published weekly and it would take me a good three weeks to get through one issue but i didn't have kids it's so much easier to take in information when i didn't have distractions now i'm like i am so obtuse oh no no i have no idea what that I'm, I'm with you though the economist is great but it is dense and you've picked it up and i mean it's it's a light you know it's a small 
paper, but it's a small magazine, but it's, re- you know, there's a lot of content packed in there. I don't know how they managed to create that much content weekly. I'm kind of impressed. I'm kind of want to just yeah. sit there. Maybe one day I can be an intern there and just learn from them. I'm like, how do you do this? You're like magic. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, right. I know. Maybe they'll let me write something stupid. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so if people want to learn more about you, learn more about Tequila Ocho, um, how do you want people to reach you? I'm I'm at uh, at Jesse Ocho, so J E double S E O C H O on Instagram. That's always a great way. Uh, at Tequila Ocho is is me as well. So um, that's that's a nice easy one. Instagram seems to be the the kind of uh, medium social medium du jour. So that's the one we use most. Um, yeah. But yeah, that's always a good way to get in touch to reach out. Our website is uh, tequilaocho.com, uh, Facebook Tequila okay. Ocho official, um, and yeah. But Instagram's good if anyone wants to get in touch. Perfect. I will put those links in your bio just so people can reach out to you and and learn more about the product. Um, I know Samson and Surrey was really excited to bring it into the portfolio, so. I'm glad you're part of such an amazing company. We're excited too. Um, we're, we're we're over the moon. It's uh, we're really excited, and I, I haven't met Allison and and Paul in person yet, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to that once we can start to travel again. Oh my god, you are gonna love Allison. She is amazeballs. You're just gonna just you're just gonna want to like attach yourself in her pocket just so you can <laughs> be around her people. It's 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 she is magnetic. And Paul, I haven't met him, but I got to speak with him, and he was really fascinating. So. I could tell. I could, you're you're in good I company. Tell, I could tell you guys hit it off with with Paul, and and I've been, you know, I I can sense that magnetism from both of those guys, even not having met them, but uh, just chatted and and uh, just seemed yeah. like great people. Yeah, awesome. Well, I wish you all the best. Good luck. I hope that you guys get to start opening soon, and then you get to start feeling more of a sense of normalcy outside of your four walls in your backyard. And I thank you for your time and for doing this with me. Christy, thanks for having me on. It's been, uh, it's been really fun uh, chatting and I will take, I'm going to, I'm going to take you up up on that. We will go to Julep uh, if, if, and when I make it back to Houston. Well, you just, you just let me know. You just text me when you're coming to town and I'll make sure that I meet you there and I won't go there until I go there with you. That is my commitment. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you again. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream.